life insurance agents. You're listening to the Modern Life Insurance Selling Podcast, where we provide the tools and insights to help you grow a more profitable life insurance business by selling online and over the phone from anywhere with an internet connection. Even if you're alone in your quest to build your life insurance business, just know you're listening right now with thousands of life insurance agents using the strategies we discuss to sell more life insurance, work more efficiently, and on your own terms. For more in-depth advice and to make sure you never miss a podcast episode, join our email list over at SellTermLife.com. Welcome to episode number 50 of the Modern Life Insurance Selling Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Root, and today we have one of the most value-packed episodes of our entire catalog of shows so far. We've been getting requests for more episodes on selling over the phone and what successful agents are saying, and today's episode covers just that. So in today's episode, we have a person who actually trained me how to sell over the phone over seven years ago when I was at a life insurance call center. So this is really a a treat to get him on the show. He's consulted for some of the largest life insurance call centers in the nation like SelectQuote and the biggest IMOs in the nation like Crump. And they all rave about how much value he's brought to their companies. We're going to be covering his seven habits to successful selling. And I promise that even the most experienced life insurance agents will take something valuable from this episode. So it's just a massively valuable episode today. I can't wait to get it to you guys. But first, if you like what you hear and are listening in iTunes or Stitcher, please leave us a review. And for more information about how to grow your life insurance business online and over the phone using the latest technologies and internet marketing strategies, subscribe to our email list over at SellTermLife.com. So let's get to it. Today, we have Todd Ewing from InsuranceMind.com. Welcome to the podcast, Todd. Hey, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and uh, and all the good folks out there. Yep. So why don't you share with us uh, kind of what you're seeing out there in the industry and then maybe go into a little background about yourself? That sounds great. Thanks, Jeff. Hi, everybody. My name again is Todd Ewing, and it's a pleasure to speak with you and present and convey some proven techniques to help you grow your business. First, I want to thank Jeff for the opportunity to speak with you. Really appreciate uh, this chance, Jeff, and hopefully we'll be able to generate some great results, short-term and long-term. Pleasure's on mine. For everybody out there, you've probably heard, there's tremendous momentum within our industry around technology and new catalysts for change. InsureTech and FinTech companies are popping up everywhere, and deep capital is being deployed to reinvent the life insurance arena. Buzzwords like innovation, disruption, and transformation are really permeating the landscape for insurance carriers, BGAs, IMOs, financial institutions, and direct marketers. The direct-to-consumer experience, D2C, as you'll hear it often referred to, is really the paradigm shift for increasing sales. The consumer and consumer experience, what is known as CX, is truly paramount, and it is the king of new success. Knowing who your consumer is, how they operate, what modality in which they want to transact business, and how they're looking to protect their family in terms of the greatest value. When I say value, I don't simply mean the lowest price. I never want to get into price wars because ultimately you'll lose that battle. There will always be another carrier that stops your gun in the West that comes up with a lower two-cent price per month. So we need to look at the overall picture of creating the greatest value for the consumer. So before I jump into this, maybe I can give a little background on myself. I've been in the industry for 25-plus years. Um, My first real job out of UCLA when I graduated was working for a little company at the time 
called select load insurance services. <laughs> Probably all heard We're of We're all familiar with them, yep. Yep, the ubiquitous ad. Believe it or not, just some of the commercials that are run are ones that I wrote and helped produce 15, 16 years ago when I was there. So uh, I guess they have legs. In my opinion, they're getting a little sale, but uh, hey, it still makes the phone ring. So uh, my first job is at Select Vote. I had the uh, good fortune of being promoted fairly quickly uh, to an agent, and I'd never sold life insurance door-to-door, face-to-face, and even at the kitchen table. So it was all new to me, and my training literally was one night. I, the uh, office manager and the president's wife gave me a huge a journal, right? The Bible, like that, this enormous binder. It had all the underwriting guidelines in there. And she said to me, memorize these and you'll start selling tomorrow. That was my training. Wow. So I got on the phone and my very first day, for whatever reason, to this day, I'm still not certain why I was able to be so successful. It just was intrinsic. It was a native talent for some reason. So my first day, I sold 10 applications over the phone. Awesome. But most in the history of Select Quote to that point, they've been in business for six years, was four in one day. So I was the eighth agent to be on the floor. And for the next, and this is me patting myself on the back, kind of breaking my arm doing so, that I led the company every day, every week, every month, every year for three and a half years in sales. In fact, they actually had to create a new comp plan and take me out of it because I was skewing the numbers so badly. Net-net, after three and a half years, I totaled over 8,000 paid policies sold over the phone. One day, I sold 32 applications. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thanks. I think it still may be a, a record. Back then, the carriers were not what we know today. They weren't the usual suspects. It was Travelers and Midland Mutual Life and Jackson National and Federal Kemper, which had so many different names, right? The Kemper and... Zurich Kemper, Zurich. So we didn't have the luxury of being known to the consumer. It was a brand new experience. So we had to create trust and value. Unlike today, where you go online and type in term life insurance on Google, and there's literally pages and pages, thousands of right. people that claim that they could sell life Back then, this is before how boring went the internet, right? So uh, people were transacting business all over the phone. And it was a kind of a cumbersome process, but in reality, it, it felt so new and unique to the customer. They liked, even back then, not having to go face-to-face with a stranger or disclose personal financial and health data to a friend or a relative. So the mm-hmm. anonymity was to our advantage. So after selling, I had the opportunity to move into management and quickly rose to the vice president of sales and marketing for Select Quote. I ended up staying there for 13 years. It was a great ride. Loved it. This was back in the coming growth when the internet was starting to come online. We developed an internet team and then a whole internet platform. Uh, we called it uh, Very Clever, the web team. And uh, quickly 50% of our, our volume came in through the, the web. We grew from eight agents when I first started to over 80 agents, and our, our premiums and revenues uh, literally quadrupled. So we had a, a great ride. We became the known direct marketer in the space, and they always say imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Uh, a ton of companies started popping up thereafter, trying to do what we had accomplished at Select Quote. From there, I had an opportunity to literally move out of the San Francisco Bay Area and 
uh, joined a company called Insulet. Uh, the CEO called me there, founder, and said, hey, we'd like to move into the life space. You're just the guy to help us build and start a new one. We want you to teach us everything, uh, direct the consumer marketing, direct marketing, uh, as well as how to close more effectively over the phone, as they already had a P&C, a property and casualty company selling home and auto. So I was brought up there to build out a whole new life division for them. We did that and introduced all new carriers. And really the transformation that occurred there for me was I wanted to do something a little bit different. I just didn't want to build a better mousetrap than what we'd accomplished at SelectQuote. So we started selling, this was cutting edge back then, we started selling universal life policies over the phone. And that became transformative. At SelectQuote, in the 13 years that I was there, the highest premium, the largest case, was Mm $14,000. At Innsweb, in our third month, I had a gentleman, one of my agents, sell an $80,000 and a $40,000 that went paid in the fourth month. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty typical nowadays, now that everybody's used to purchasing online and over the phone. Right. I mean, you know, back then... It was a, cha- a challenge to try to get the trust and have people, you know, submit payment of that large to yeah. uh, an unknown company. Today, people are buying houses and cars, you know, online. That's, yep. that's fairly commonplace. So, huge opportunity to do that. We were also selling uh, non-med products, which were kind of cutting edge back then as well. I was looking for quicker cash flow and a better consumer experience. So, we did both. One of the other unique things that we did, and it's still available out there. I'm shocked by how many direct marketers don't do this now. And that is when you look at a website and you have to go enter your data, you know, you're, you put in your date of birth, you put in what state you're in, how much coverage you're looking for, the term length, yada, yada. There's almost always uh, an empty field there. It's a blank field where you, the consumer, have to enter in how much coverage you want. Occasionally, there'll be a help button or there'll be a needs analysis tool, but not always. But bottom line is it's left blank, and you're allowing the customer to choose how much they want. It sounds good in theory. The truth is, out of the millions of calls that I've processed and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of calls that I've listened to, the majority, at least 50% plus, do not have any idea how much life insurance they, they need. Yep. If they do know that number, they're still well underinsured. We all know that. They're getting mm-hmm. two times their income, three times their income. So there's a huge under-service of the, the need for each consumer. So what I did is I put in a default there to make their life easier. And I started with 250000 for 10 years of term. And that was our default. And we looked at all the data. And I'm a matrix junkie. I study all the numbers. And about 53 54% of all the leads that were coming in via the Internet had a face amount of 250000 and a term length of 10 years. So one day I had this. Crazy idea. I went to my IT department and I said, humor me. Let's change the base amount. Let's put it in a 500000 just to see what happens. Guess what? 50 plus percent of the people selected the 500. They didn't change it. They just went with our recommendation. So our premium literally almost doubled overnight. It was amazing. The next step was to move it to a 20-year term. So the industry average back in those days for a term sale was about $600. Today, it's $750 to $800 across the board. At Innsweb, our average premium was $1,300, substantially higher than any other direct marketer out there. And that was one of the primary reasons, outside of the fact that we were also selling UL. 
So we took that took that data and we were able to codify it and to do a deeper analysis and algorithm and really a matrix that whenever they put in their date of birth, we had the system coordinate the amount of coverage we thought they should need and for how long they needed it. So we were able to take big data even back then and utilize it to create actionable items for machine learning to be able to present wow. uh, for a younger person a higher face amount in a 30-year term. For a 60-year-old gentleman, for example, he might only present a 10-year term. But we were starting to customize every one of the processes right up front. So it was a great experience for the customer. The, the carriers all loved us because of our premium and our placement ratios, and the agents were making money. So it was a win-win-win across the board. So from SelectQuote to InsWeb, direct marketing for now, what, 17 years, we became profitable on, on the life side very quickly. And so like all good companies, what did we do? We sold the agency. <laughs> so I, I called all the carriers that I was working with, let them know that we were selling it. Um, we sold it off in bits and pieces and into different parts. So that was a really interesting period. And Transamerica came and called immediately and said, hey, you're just the guy we're looking for. Can you come down and meet with us? We, we want to move into the direct marketing space. So I went down to Los Angeles. Uh, so it's a well-known myth that everybody thinks uh, Transamerica is in the Pyramid Building in San Francisco. They're not. They're in Los Angeles at their home office, and they're owned by Aegon, which is in Cedar Rapids. So I've been on the story. Anyway, I was offered the position to be the vice president of direct marketing. They also gave me the title of term, term life insurance vice president. So for the next four and a half years, I literally crisscrossed the country 40 weeks out of the year promoting Transamerica's term and developing our platform for direct marketing. I added 14 different accounts. At the end, we brought in SelectQuote as a partner of ours, and we went from zero direct marketing sales to $27 million in direct marketing in three years. Awesome. Uh, term sales, term sales, this is all um, public knowledge. You can find it anywhere. Went from $48 million back then to over $100 million again in about three and a half years. So a great rocket ride. The thing that came out of that for me was an opportunity to see all of the BGAs, IMOs, financial institutions, and other direct marketers who used to be competitors of mine when I was at my former distribution companies. And now they showed me everything. And I compiled what I came to call best practices platform. And I learned a little bit from everybody, from the folks to the matrixes to the large BGAs even from the banks and the uh, CPA firms, and took all that and compiled a whole new approach to how to sell. And I brought that out to market and created my own consultancy company called Insurance Mind. And for the last four and a half years now, I have worked with the top direct marketers and carriers and all the financial entities to teach them how to be more efficient with systems and effective with their presentations, all done over the phone, all done through the internet, utilizing better processing, better systems, and all the tools and technology that are available and continue to expand. So today, that was a long introduction, but today I'm going to share with you what I call the seven habits to successful selling of life insurance. It's really borrowed from the Stephen Covey famous book, Seven Habits, How to Successful People, and I've customized that and tailored it to practical application, how to presentation style, tone, and even language that is most successful in closing deals over the phone and online. 
and I've seen this before. I just want to make a comment here that back in 2009, you actually trained me and the agency that I was with to sell over the phone. We had, I think we had like a 12 person call center at the time. And I remember your training and that's how we got in contact and the frameworks are, you know, that I've seen that you, you really knew back in 2009 at least. And I'm sure they're updated today, but the frameworks that you're going to go through are, you know, are frameworks that I've been using to sell and what I've been training agents as well. And so I couldn't think of a better person to bring in a podcast about selling life insurance over the phone. I just wanted to throw that in there about our history and how you actually trained me. What was that? Seven, seven years ago. So um, excited to get to, uh, you know, I'm excited that you're sharing this with our audience. First of all, um, really is a treat and appreciate you doing that. So um, yeah, keep going. I just wanted to throw that in there. Great. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate the kind words. And uh, I have presented this thing. This is a seven habits. It's, um, it's a component of another presentation and a whole other platform that I utilize called 31 Flavors, which I can share with other folks uh, offline as we proceed. But just to, to finalize the background for myself, I have built three startups. Uh, I've had the good fortune of working, as I said, on both aisles of distribution from the manufacturing at a carrier, uh, clearly on the direct marketing side. And I've sold or helped process over 500,000 policies and literally close to a billion dollars in premium over the last 25 years. So I know a little bit about this. I know all of you listening have your own successful tools and techniques. If I can share with you and you gain a few nuggets here and there, then this is a value. There may be things that you already know, and that's great. This reinforces your best practices and the patterns you're using. Outstanding. If you can glean a few tips that will allow you to close more sales, hey, all the more successful. So we're going to focus in on term sales primarily, and we're going to focus in on the middle market. As you all know, it's vastly underserved and uninsured. There's a crazy stat out there that says the population has doubled in the last 50 years. Right? We're over 300 million people now. And yet, less life policies are sold today than they were 50 years ago. So that's either a crisis or a huge opportunity. I think the latter. Yep. I think we, we as a community, we as an industry, have an opportunity and almost a responsibility to be able to reach and to close more people. The, the reality is we don't have a what I call conversion problem. Conversion meaning from a person who raises their hand, goes online, calls up, and says, hey, I'm interested in life insurance, we have a closing problem. The process is still too cumbersome. It's too complicated. It's too laborious. So people fall out of the process. The breakage, the waterfall effect is awful. So 100 people raise their hand and say they want life insurance. The stats all show that online, it's about 6 to 7% of those people actually get a policy. We have 93, 94 people, right? So we're leaving so much low-hanging mm-hmm. fruit on the vine there. And I'm going to share with you some of my best practices that will allow you to close more sales here. So the goal of term sales is clearly to monetize a premium that you don't have to go drive out to their house for a $700 premium. That's not maybe the best use of your time, but you sure as heck want the lifetime value of that customer. You're going to want their business partners, their friends, and you're going to want to ultimately be able to upsell them to other products, cross-sell them, and to get them for life. 
But yeah, I, I want to add on to that, that, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and just the inventory of these, what you call $700 to $1,000 term clients is huge. They, the rewrites, the conversions, like you said, the referrals and everything. I mean, a lot of people look at selling term over the phone and just look like, oh, 700 to $1,000 premium. Why am I working for that? But it really is inventory for your business. I just wanted to add that. That's like one of the main concepts I try and, and get to people who are trying, who are thinking about selling term over the phone. But keep going. Right. I mean, if you can do it over the phone efficiently and effectively, and uh, you know, it's a twelve to twenty minute conversation, mm-hmm. that's worth the seven eight hundred dollar premium. Absolutely, all day long. You just have to have the right tools and, and processes in place to be able to manage your caseload effectively. But that is well worth the time if you have to drive out to their house and spend gas money and time and pet the dog for potentially a $380 premium. No, there's probably a better use of your of your valuable time. Right. So today, first, first step is we're going to go over the seven habits, and we're going to begin with habit one, first things first. So it's called rapport, developing rapport. And I want to be ultimately clear here that rapport in my book is not about being nice. It's not about being their friend. It's about being an expert. It's about being the, the advisor. People buy from people they trust. Think about any of your experiences in retail or any of your customer service experiences. You're going to go with somebody that you feel is competent, an expert, and somebody that you trust will give you the greatest value. Not somebody who's friendly and talking to you about the weather or about where they live. Nobody really cares about that. When they get off the phone, that's not what's going to resonate and that's not what's going to permeate their perception of you. What's going to resonate with them is, wow, I went with somebody that really knows their stuff and that can help me make this transaction smooth and efficient, and I can get what I really came for. So let's talk about rapport here. And this, is again, is done over the phone, and in some cases it may be with people you know, and in other cases it may be with fresh leads that are right off the Internet or being paid through an affinity source or other partnerships. So I'm going to blend that and assume that maybe we don't know them, and they're more strangers than they are friends. If they're friends, then you can expand on this and make it a little bit more customized and a little bit more personal. Otherwise, here's the framework for developing rapport, habit one. So the opening segment of your presentation is truly critical. The sale can be won or lost in the first two minutes. We all know that expression, um, you know, first impressions are lasting. It is true. Most marriages... They will tell you that it happened almost instantly, that they connected through their eyes, through the smile, through a handshake. They knew immediately. The same thing happens with telesales, okay? So an agent must immediately establish credibility, authority, and expertise. You're going to hear me use those three words a lot, credibility, authority, and expertise. It's paramount that the customer really visualizes you as a successful and professional insurance expert. And you must convey that tone from your first spoken words. Think about it. You are now their personal advice in your mindset. They are done shopping. You're not here as a quote giver. You're not here just to provide prices. You really are the expert. So here are the, the top 10 things within habit one. Every call must contain the following elements. A strong opening line that is clear, articulate, and authoritative. When I answer the phone, I used to say, hi, this is Todd. And I would literally pause. They knew they were calling Select Quote. They knew they were calling about life insurance. I didn't have to say, hey, thank you for calling Select Quote. And I don't like the expression, how may I help you? I know how I can help them. I can help them get more insurance policy. I wanted that pause in there because I wanted them to speak and fill it in. 
you all know that expression, the first person to speak loses. I wanted them to tell me what it was they were looking for. It made them almost vulnerable. It made them say, I want this, and now I'm going to provide a solution for it. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one, use your name effectively and develop proper pacing. So two kind of sub-points there. When I say use your name, I want them to know your name. So it's Todd. Hi. My name is Jeff Ruth. Hi, this is Todd. Todd Ewing. And sometimes I'll pause and have them reflect on my name for a minute, especially if it's memorable. My wife has a really unique name. It's kind of like Cher or Madonna. It's Bailey. And I wanted people to, to say to her, wow, wow, when did you get, how'd you get that name? That's interesting. It creates a connection. And the same thing is true for them. Use their name effectively, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Develop proper pacing. When I say pacing, I mean you need to be clear on not just the style and the, the words, but really the, the modality and the, the timing of your speech patterns. Pauses can be very effective like right there, and or going faster to move things along but to let them know that you're in charge and you know what you're talking about. So pacing is absolutely critical, but pausing can be very powerful. The third point here, present your title. I, I learned this from a company up in Seattle. It was very effective. They didn't have the highest quality leads, so what they did to create uh, authority and to give themselves validity was they said, by the way, sir or ma'am, Here's my license number. I'm appointed in your state. You're welcome to go to X site and to look up my license number and to, to see my background. It just gave them credibility right away. You may not have to do that, obviously, with people you know, but for lower type of individuals or people that maybe have trust issues, it's a very powerful thing. You don't want to be in response to people. You want to be upfront and you want to be transparent as much as possible. The next one is capital pause, capitalizing upon the lead source. You want to connect to the affinity or partnership, and that can be a variety of different sources. So if it's a friend, clearly you're capitalizing upon that. If it's a referral, you're capitalizing upon that. If it's an internet lead or other some type of source, you want to use that to your advantage. And I'll give you an example of that. Back in the day, there was a talk show host called Bob Drinker, and people listened to it on AM radio, and now there's Sean Hannity, and you can go down the whole list of all the talk show financial guys, Dave Ramsey, they go on and on. If they're calling in on that lead source, they get finances. They have an interest and a proclivity already towards that. They don't have to know that you know the lead source. In fact, it makes you more powerful if you can say, I don't know if you ever listen to financial advisors. They obviously do. But they recommend buying term life insurance and they recommend using our service. They recommend me. So you're creating that partnership and affinity immediately with them by using the lead source. Absolutely. Don't engage in, don't engage in small talk. It's remarkable to me how many people lower their value and devalue their service by being small time. When you call your attorney or CPA, you don't want to talk to him about movies and about your dog or about his, the rainstorm that just happened for more than a minute or so. After that, okay, let's get back. Okay, let's talk about your taxes. Talk about your finances. It shows that he's busy. It shows that he's a professional engage too much in small talk, they get off the phone with you and they say, oh my gosh, I just spent 30 minutes with this guy. I thought it was going to be 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay? That's not, that's not being their friend. You have to understand, they don't want to... If they, have, if they wanted a friend, they'd call a different phone number. They want an expert. Yeah, so it's not the same as building trust. Just small talk does not build trust. It just... I, 
I, I get that. And it also wastes your time, too. I see a lot of agents get carried away. They said they had just had a 30-minute conversation with somebody, and they didn't make a sale. That is not a good use of your time. Absolutely. I, I learned that the hard way, Jeff. I was on a call with a guy. It was like one of my very first calls, and I was on the call. He was in Montana, and I thought it was fascinating that he was a fly fisherman, right? I'd always wanted to read, I saw the movie, you know, and River runs through it, and I, we talked fly fishing for like 30 minutes. I knew nothing about it. He taught me everything I needed to know. Guess what? I told him that application never came back. Hmm. It was remarkable to me. Like, I'd written it down in my notes, like, talk fly fishing, great guy, blah, blah, blah. Never sent it back in, so I wasted 45 minutes of my life talking to him. Yeah, I learned from that experience that doesn't work. Here's another one out of the 8,000 policyholders that I accumulated, and I was in downtown San Francisco, one of the most beautiful, great cities to go visit, the number one destination for tourists in the world. Guess what? Nobody ever called me, nobody ever knocked on the door and said, Hey, God, you sold me my life insurance policy. Can we have lunch together? Let's go grab a drink. Not one, that's not what they wanted. Yeah. So remember that, okay? Start tonal mo- modeling immediately. When I see mo- tar- tonal modeling, that simply means not imitating or mocking them. If they're from the South, they're going to have a different structure and style to their communication. If they're from New York, which I like, I like the fast-paced kind of clip responses, that works for me. I'm going to emulate and I'm going to model what they're doing. If I'm talking to somebody uh, who's a little bit maybe uh, naive or, or ignorant about finances, down. I'm going to use plain language. He's more sophisticated. I'm going to use a little bit more jargon. I don't love using jargon, but for that kind of guy, I'm going to model after what he's doing. Okay? The other one is you want to affirm their needs with confidence. You want to utilize the data from their online requests or how are they presented? Hey, I'm looking for 500000 You want to talk about that, but you also want to make sure that you have a hint that maybe that's not the right amount that you are the expert and you're going to go over it. Even if they're clear, like, hey, I'm looking for 500000 Okay, that sounds great. I'm happy to help you look at whatever's going to work best for your family. So you don't assume that what they mention is the right thing. It'd be like going into your doctor. I would think this is the right analogy. It's going into your doctor and saying, hey, doc, uh, I think I have strep throat and I need some amoxicillin. Nobody does that. You walk in and you say, I have a sore throat, my throat hurts, and you let him be the expert. Same thing happens with all of you, okay? I like this approach here. Ask if they've used your service or your entity before to save them on their life insurance. It does two things. This is profound, and it's subtle. It's fairly manipulative, but that doesn't mean it's bad. What it does is it says, hey, we're big. You should know us. Have you used us before? That we're kind of a household name. The second thing it does is it implies that you're going to save them money. In one expression, if you use our service in the past to save money on your life insurance, you accomplish two important factors. Here is the next one, in my mind, is the most binding rod in your call. It separates how and it changes how you're going to communicate moving forward immediately. And it's this. Determine if they're new to insurance or if they're adding or replacing a policy. Yep. Why is that so important? Because it, it, it determines who I have on the line. If they're replacing, they already get the value of life insurance. They already, they already bought into the concept. They love somebody. They want to protect something. They're probably trying to refinance their life insurance either to save money or to get additional coverage. So you're changing your whole tone and your whole tax. If they're a first-time buyer, they may not be convinced they really need to do this. They got pressure from their father-in-law. Their wife is nagging them to do it. Some other reason, right? They had a baby. 
something's come up for them. You want to hit upon that hard. You want to hit upon the reason that they're getting coverage because there's a decent chance they may even make a sale over the phone, but they never send it back in. You're going to talk differently to them. For somebody who's already purchased, you're going to use expressions like, as you know, as you recall, as you may remember when your last policy. For the new guys, you're going to, you're going to slow it down, be very clear, and repeat yourself a number of times to create the greatest clarity. Okay? All right. What's the reason they're buying a new policy? What's come up in your life that you need to secure new coverage? There are tons of lines and determines why they're getting coverage. What are you looking to accomplish? What are you looking to protect? What are you looking to cover? Find that line that you use and use it every time, but make it effective so it solidifies the reason they're getting coverage. You want to determine the basis as well as their sweet spot about their needs. Most people, they love their kids. They love their wife. They want to protect their mom. Whatever it may be. So that's what you want to resonate that. That needs to be a gut punch to them. That's why they're doing it. So they can sleep better at night and they can have peace of mind. But you want to determine their pain points and their sweet spots. This is way late in my career. Amazing. It took me this long. I guess which also tells you that you can learn something new every day. Is find out the name of their beneficiary and use it often. So right up front, this works like a charm. So, all right, we're looking for $500,000 of coverage. That sounds great, Jeff. Got the bid. When something happens to you, who do you want the insurance company to write the check to? That check is tax-free, by the way. Who do you want them to write the check to? And he'll say, my wife, Michelle. My, my wife, Cheryl. You say, okay, so Cheryl's going to be listed as your primary beneficiary. That's who's going to receive the $500,000. Is that right? And you saw me. I just confirmed that again. I'm making him see and picture his wife. So it's not just some intangible, uh, kind of elusive concept, vapor. It literally is you're buying life insurance for a person. Right. You're also assuming the sale, too. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to buy this. Right Mm -hmm. up front, you're you're getting this. We're done with this. You can tell Cheryl she can sleep well at night tonight, right? Ask for the double. You'll hear me use that term. Double just means who else are you looking to protect? Not like, do you want to get coverage for your life, for your wife? Who else? needs life insurance. Who else are you looking to protect? They will make them give you a name. You should be getting at least 1.3, 130% of all calls should have another another person attached to that policy. A husband, a wife, a business partner, somebody else, a brother. I, some of my, my favorite sales are asking that question and having a police officer, having a fireman say, hey, pretty much everybody in my precinct needs it. At one point, I literally talked, they passed the phone around to everybody <laughs> in the firehouse, and I, I wrote 12 guys on one phone call. Nice. It was awesome. That's great. Yeah. Um, establish a timeline for the coverage. You want to create urgency. You know, you save age, back date, uh, prices are going up. You have to create some kind of need to make this happen quickly. So find out when, they're look, when their next payment is due, when they're looking to get coverage, they had a baby, your wife, whatever it is, but you've got to create that timeline. Don't let them say, oh, it's going to be, even if they say a couple months, you say, great, you couldn't have called it a better time. It often takes several months to get a life insurance policy. Whatever they say, you want to affirm them and create a deadline for them. The next point is probably one of my favorites, and everybody who uses it tells me repeatedly, this works like a charm. And that is, tell them before you start to get a pen. So, Mr. Jones, before we start here, if you have a pen and paper handy or if you have a, your, your notepad handy, uh, I want you to be able to take some notes here so you have everything in front of you so it's super clear. What that does is a few things. Number one, 
It, it gets them involved. It tells them also that what you're going to be conveying to them is very important. And now they're engaged. They're writing stuff down with you. They're not just passive. And it stops the ubiquitous objection about, hey, can you send that to me in writing? Because they mm-hmm. now have it in writing. One guy, one, I learned this. They would say, oh, can you send me out those quotes? Can you email that to me? And I said to the guy, sir, you have it right in front of you. You wrote it down. It's Midland at 500000 for this price. It's Transamerica for here. I can give you a little more background on each company, but anything I send you will say the exact same thing you just wrote down. When you get your application, it'll give you all the clarity. When you get your policy, you'll have all the details. I wasn't trying to be argumentative, but I wanted him to know, like, I'm not going to just, I'm not a quoter. I'm not just going to email you information. That's why we're on the phone here. So tell them to get a pen. I'm going to give you detailed information. The other thing is, God forbid, you don't make the sale. They now have a piece of paper, a link to you that connects you, and hopefully they're writing down your name and your phone number as well. People are pack rats. They won't throw it away. When they need life insurance again, they'll call you. Yep. Okay? The needs analysis, I don't need to tell you all this. So many people on the phone become just order takers. They say they want 250000 You say, okay, great. You want fries with that? You have to be able to say, how do you arrive at that amount? You talk to a financial advisor. Did you talk to your CPA? How'd you come up with that? Is that what your wife is looking for? Make sure you create a little bit of almost doubt in their mind that that's the right amount. It's, you can upsell everybody. Everybody chooses the wrong amount, in my opinion. So you don't want to oversell them. I always think you want to be uh, you want to be bullish about your industry, but you want to be almost bearish about what you, how you present to them. Don't try to sell them more than they need. That used to be one of my favorite lines. I don't want you to spend a penny more than you need on this life insurance, but I want to make sure that you have just the right amount. And so I didn't look like I was a sales guy. I looked like I was trying to get him the right amount without overspending. Okay? Your needs analysis must go beyond the mortgage protection. I know that's obvious, but you'd be shocked by how many people just say, oh, what's your mortgage? Okay, great. We need $180,000 of coverage. That's just not the way life insurance is designed. As you all know, it's really meant for indemnification to put them back to where they were to replace their lost income. Let's continue to hold to that axiom. Lastly, take control. Hold yourself as a financial expert worthy of not being rushed. So many people get on the phone and they demand, hey, can you just give me a quote for $500,000? i am just looking for a 10-year term. And they expect you just to be a, a spitting out a price. Don't go there. Don't let them do that. Do not let them rush you. They wouldn't rush their doctor. They wouldn't rush their attorney. Hold yourself in that regard. Remember, you are a successful, valuable professional. And they're lucky to have you as their agent. I was so cocky on the phone just because I had so much success that I literally would say to the customer, today's your lucky day, Mr. Johnson. And he literally would say, why? And I'd say, you know what? The truth is because you got me. If you got anybody else in the country or even anybody else maybe within our company, you probably wouldn't save as much money and you wouldn't get the right amount of coverage. I'm not going to have you pay a penny more than you need. I'm on your side. I, I'm here to help you. I treat everybody like I try to help my mom or my cat. They bought it. They loved it. Okay. All right, so that's habit one. That's okay, and that that's habit one, which is habit one building, or I should say, developing rapport. And and just to kind of go back to what you said about grabbing a pen, I hope everybody has a pen available and is taking notes because this is like a fire hose of value right now. And this is only habit number one. We still have what, six other habits. 
Yes, sir. All right. You may not even get through all of them, Jeff. We may have to pick up another one. I mean, I just <laughs> yeah, we may have to break this into two episodes. All right. It's going to ha- it's going yeah, to have to do. I usually do forty five minutes per habit, and then I have old training sessions around those. So, um, but anyway, we'll, we'll we'll march on. Habit two, your value proposition. Position. You'll hear me refer to it as value prop. Value prop. It's essential that you differentiate yourself and your company and or entity that you work with from the competition. If you're the sole proprietor, great. Then you can really personalize it. You need to be thinking about this, these two questions. Why should this customer buy from me? What's in it for me from a customer perspective? With them, what's in it for me? That's what everybody thinks. Why should I buy it from you? And so how are you different? How are you better? You need to be consumer-centric with your thoughts. The other thought on that one is you must believe to be believed. I know you all sell good products, so really be passionate about what it is. If you're selling a, a more expensive one, then know the value. Know the other intrinsic qualities associated with that, which makes it more expensive. If you're selling Banner and you're selling AIG and you're selling North American and all these lower-priced term products, great. So tell them, hey, we have the lowest-cost products in, in the industry. You're not going to get a better rate anywhere else. Remember, the primary objective of the value proposition is to establish your trust and to codify your authoritative position. The customer needs to feel confident that your experience and your expertise will generate their best outcome. So after your needs analysis, and before we launch into the health questions, you've got to do the following things. There's five points here. One, use transitional lines to launch into your company background or to your personal background. So it may be something, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So since you're new to life insurance, let me tell you a little bit about my background and how I work. And then you continue, then you, then you extrapolate from there. Here's another one. Or, so since you're looking to save money on a new policy, let me tell you how we make it easy to get your best prices, save you some money so you can take your wife out to dinner and not overpay on your life insurance. Or you may have seen us in a paper or whatever your lead source is. You want to have your value proposition right up front. What's in it for them? Are they new or are they replaced? Transitional lines, and it has to be seamless. It can't sound like a commercial. It's got to be uh, informative, and it has to be conversational. Point number two, give your company a story. Give your personal background. Three points that make you strong and trustworthy. When I was at Southwell, for example, when I was at Innsweb, when I consult with all these other direct marketers, we used some of these three or four points. We are one of the nation's largest insurance brokers. We've been in business since 1985, 1963, whatever it is. We've helped hundreds of thousands of folks, people, find their best buys. You can say that without any compliance issues, find their best buys. We offer unique and innovative and best-of-class products. We make insurance simple, easy, and affordable. Know your three bullet points. I have a whole outline of value prop. There's probably 28 different lines and 50 different points. I want you to find your own three. We can talk about those another time, but know your elevator pitch like the back of your hand and make it powerful. You have to believe to be believed. Point number three, segue into the company value proposition. What differentiates you and your service? Did you know there are 1,400 insurance companies in the industry? We work with top providers that offer the best combination of quality, service, and price. You need to have power phrases attached to the carriers that you work with. We only represent the top marketplace that offers high quality protection at the lowest prices. 
That's funny. I just said that. I used that 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I still have it memorized. <laughs> we only work with the top 1% of the insurance companies out there that offer the highest quality protection at the lowest prices available. You're not going to get a better price anywhere. I'm going to save you time and, and, and money and make this entire process simple and easy. And then what I would say to them is I'd do a tie-down right then. That makes sense. That was my line. Everybody would say, how does that sound? I think that I don't like that line. That's just me. I would say, does that make sense? I started training the person on the other end to start saying what? Yes. They said yes. Trial closes. Yep. Absolutely. Trial closes. I love it. Fourth point, create urgency. They need to get protection. Females, by the way, for those of you who are listening, listening out there at the, at the fair gender, they do better than almost anybody on the phone. There's a reason behind it. One is, I think women like talking to other women. Men trust women. They don't feel like they're in competition with another male. They don't feel like, oh, this guy's trying to boss me around. Women, we're used to listening to our mom, and we're used to listening to our wives. Mm-hmm. So um, it works really well, and women can be bossy without being negative. They can, they can almost be surprised, for example, if they're not buying enough or if they're not buying, if they don't have any already. Like They can almost be shocked, like, wow, really? You don't have any coverage? Okay, good. I'm glad we're getting this handled. Your wife's going to be really happy about this. It works like a charm. Okay? So, great urgency. For life insurance, rates are an all-time low. You know that. Rates have dropped 50% or more over the last 15 years. So, you want to talk about that. You want to create urgency around their birthday. Most people, I'd say the majority, 90-plus percent, don't know about save age, backdating. So you want to use their birthday in any way, shape, or form, either upcoming or six months after, to create an urgency that rates are going up. You can even use the expression, hey, there's rumor that prices are going up. There's always a rumor that prices are going up. Okay? So use the save age and backdating tools. They work massively. I love taking the money out of my pocket and giving it to the guy. What I mean by that is by literally backdating their policy, if and when it's appropriate, you save them $20 a month, guess what? You have a customer for life. There's good bulls, bears, and pigs. Pigs get flattered. Don't be greedy. 100% of a smaller amount is much better than 0% of a larger amount. Mm-hmm. The last one, transition into the carrier inventory. They don't know who you are. They didn't know who slept. They do know... Transamerica, Prudential, MetLife, use name brand companies. All the companies that we represent are rated A and above that provide the most comprehensive coverage. These are companies you know and trust. Life, MetLife, Prudential, Banner Life Insurance, North American. Okay? Provide the companies in their state. There's a little trick that I just used there, and I'll share with more of you in a little bit, and that is the power of the third position. Part of the third position means whenever you rattle off four or more items, whatever you put in the third slot has proven to be one of the most memorable. I don't know why the brain operates that way, but it does. So you say MetLife, Prudential, Banner, and Transamerica. You lump all those companies together. They've never heard of Banner, but they've heard of the other four. Now they think Banner is a household name. Hmm. It's a trick, but it works. Okay. You can choose the most coverage, best deductible, lowest price. We have it all. So the five things, again, transitional lines, company story, segue into valve prop, create urgency, and you transition into your carrier inventory. You need to let them know what companies you have available so when you introduce a company to them later, they've already heard of it. You cannot make this a commodity. 
It has to be personalized, and they have to feel like they're getting great value. All right, so now we're going to go into habit three, which is probably the easiest one to master because it's simply asking the health and lifestyle questions. However, it's shocking to me how many people shortcut this. And what happens is you get a preponderance of AOTAs, approved other than applied for. AOTA, approved other than applied. There are lots of names for it. That's the one I use. Okay. Your field underwriting is the determining factor for product selection. It's absolutely essential that you master the carrier's specific nuances. You can't just throw it against the wall and hope it sticks. This is how you speak with conviction and demonstrate your expertise. This is your knowledge base. This is the doctor asking you all the questions. This is your attorney using all the expressions to ferret out what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Okay? You gotta think like a medical doctor with skill, tone, and knowledge. Here's some real world facts around this. According to Linda data from 2013, the top three reasons for AOTAs in the industry are height and weight, hypertension, elevated cholesterol, HDL ratio. The majority of AOTAs aren't lab surprises. It's because we're not asking the right questions. Interesting. We're not being thorough up front. Yeah, I didn't know that. The yeah, the industry average for AOTA is just across the direct marketing platforms is 25 to 35%. A third of the people are getting a price higher than what they thought. Mm. Here's the worst part of that. Only 50 to 60% on average of those AOTAs go paid. Think about it in a football analogy. You just march all the way down the field and you literally fumble at the one-yard line. Wow. Wasted everybody's time. In contrast, 85 to 95% of the approved as applied go in force. Even if you wrote them a standard or a table two, if you got them the right rate up front, they're going to get it. If you said, hey, you sound like a really good guy, you don't ask them any health questions, you ask them maybe smoking and height and weight, and you never ask them about depression. You never ask them about the driving record, private pilot, scuba diving, some of the ancillary one-offs, and they come back and they get a standard. It's only $30 more a month. Guess what? They tell you to go pound sand. They don't take it. They're now upset. You lost a client. You need to be sure that that's not getting a referral. Do it right the first time, okay? All right. Only 60. You know what's crazy? Over 60% of the apps submitted are preferred plus to every carrier. Only 30% of the clients ultimately get that rate. Can you see the disconnect? Huge disconnect crazy. there. Preferred plus. Yep. I mean, probably, what, if 30% of that 60%, probably the top 10% are only getting preferred plus. Yeah. But we think everybody, hey, let's just, you know, let's just go for it. If you do it over the phone, you don't have the luxury of looking at him. Even the yeah. people that look at him, uh, it's shocking to me. They may have a CPAP. They may be shooting up into him, and they still try to write him preferred. It's I mean, crazy, it's, right? it's it's one of the things we all deal with with uh, in competing. And, you right. know, is people quoting preferred plus when they're not even close to that to that risk. But, again, if you're doing everything you're saying, there shouldn't be any competition. So this is why this is really valuable right now. Absolutely. So on every call, um, it's, it's really your fiduciary responsibility to inform and educate them. You need to do the following. You need to explain the reasons and ask all of the required questions. But you need to preface it. So in order to get you the best rates in the marketplace, I need to ask you some health and lifestyle questions to determine which company is going to offer you the best price based on your personal situation. Oftentimes, I would use an analogy of auto insurance. So, for example, you know, if you've had a DUI or speeding tickets, or if you're a perfect driver, 
It's really important. We know that because every company looks at you differently. Some are more generous. Some are more tight. Some will ding you if you have some other issues. And some will reward you. I want to match you with the right company. You need to get those that, that line, that expression down pat. You cannot just rush right into it. We had an agent at SelectQuote who ultimately became a sales manager. He became a great agent. But when I first was the vice president of sales and I would listen to his calls, he was horrendous because he would almost start off the call with, Hi, this is Jonas. How's your health? <laughs> Hi, this is Jonas. How's your health? I mean, there's no rapport. There's no value proposition. And they would say, it's great. And you go, okay, well, based on that, I can get you a preferred rate. And you'd use jargon. It'd be on and off the phone in three minutes, not make a sale, and you'd wonder why. So we changed all that, right? We changed it and we, we created habit three for him. So the advantages, so convey the expertise as you match the right product and price for their unique needs. Do not make this a commodity. The advantages of doing this include more sales. You're building a rapport. You're increasing your credit credibility and you're distinguishing yourself from the competition. They're one click away, remember, from life quotes or e-financial or IntelliQuote or select quote or matrix or I can go down the list. A lot of those companies now are showing bait and switch prices. So they, you know, they may be overweight or taking blood pressure medication or what have you, but they look online and nobody's telling them any of this information. So they see 250000 for 10 years for $38 a month and you're telling them it's 53 If you don't explain why, they're going to go try to buy the $38 one and it's going to come back and it's going to be 74 yep. They should have bought the $53 one. They would have got the best price. Now, they're, now they got screwed, right? So it's your job to fiduciary responsibility. You're going to improve the customer experience. You're going to reduce your, your IOTAs. And you're going to increase your placement ratio. Okay? So you want to get at least four companies that you name that you re- represent, right? And you want to soften the question session with the transition. Here's the line that I use again. Every company looks at your background differently. So I need to ask you some questions to match you with the right company that will offer you the best value and the best price for your situation. Key reminders here. Don't lead the witness. Respect every condition and don't rush. So when I say don't lead the witness, that means you can't say, you don't have any health problems, right? Nothing like diabetes or cancer or heart conditions. You're now creating an environment where they don't want to disclose that. Mm -hmm. You need to ask the questions very clearly and don't have a reaction. If they say they're height and weight, they're a big guy, so what? You can almost imply, hey, I'm a big guy too. I'll help you find the company that's really lenient with that. If they, they're taking blood pressure, don't have a reaction to it. Just the facts. Think about it like a doctor. He's not going to have a reaction every time you tell him about an ailment. Just gather the data, but make sure you ask all the questions. Don't let them rush you. This is your field underwriting. Don't rush through the questions. Right. I'll also right. I'll also add here that there are questionnaires out there that you can get from your BGA, your IMO, um, of all the impaired risks, so you know exactly what to ask. So if they have diabetes or something you've never heard of, you can follow up, sound like an expert, and get the right information so that you do qualify them correctly. So I just want to add that in there as well. Absolutely, you're perfectly right, Jeff. The other the other component of that is no. I mean, this is your this is your expertise. Anybody can know a product. Okay, it's guaranteed for ten years. It's convertible. It's renewable. Blah blah blah. There's nothing to that. Your your product knowledge is in your underwriting. And knowing where do you go with the diabetic? Where do you go with the blood pressure who also is overweight and takes a little bit of depression meds? Where do you go with family history? Know that like the back of your hand. And you want to be able to write impaired risk cases. 
You want to know that underwriting. You want to, it seems like a, a third of the population is diabetic, maps to diabetes, for sure. You want that science. Okay. All right. I'm going to, we're just going to go through one more, and that's habit four. It's my favorite one of all of them. And then we're going to pause at that point. So habit four is the fun part. It's presenting the rates. In my opinion, this is why you got into sales. This is why you're not in customer service. There's nothing better than closing a sale that only you make happen. If you think about it like this. It's the high five, fist pumping, top of the sales floor feeling that comes with winning and being the best. I love that feeling like, hey, if they would have talked to anybody else, he would have walked up. When they came to me, I wrote the application. Okay? So the reason you master habits one through three are so you don't have to think. Hear that again. You don't have to think during the question session. Instead, you spend your energy listening to the client so you know how to best present the right company and rate for their unique needs. The bottom line goal is to get the customer to say yes. Every lead presentation absolutely must include the following. We could spend hours on this. This is the coaching. This is the magic. I call it the dance, meaning the dance where you have the partner out there on the floor, the music starts. How do you dance with them? Is it a fast song? Do you put your hand on their shoulders? Do you put it on their back? Do you small their back? Do you hold hands? Do you touch their hair? What, what do you do? Do you move your feet a lot? What is the dance? And the only way you know that is because you know your partner. You know the customer. Okay, but every rate must include the following. Here we go. Okay, I say this. I got everything I need based on everything you told me. While we're searching for the best rates, I'm curious, Mr. Johnson, Joe, whatever, what's most important to you? Are you looking for the highest quality protection? You want the top rated company? You want just the rock bottom lowest price? You want the fastest processing, the quickest way to get a policy, or some combination of all of them, the greatest value? What's most important to you? Why do I ask that? Jeff, the reason I ask that is I want to almost back him into a corner. I want to know what his pain point and what his sweet spot is. Whatever he tells me, I have that answer. It's already in my arsenal, right? So if he tells me he wants the lowest rate, I have Banner. I have whoever's the lowest rate available. If he wants the fastest one, I have a non-med product. I have Fidelity. I have Statuport. I have Phoenix. I have Anico. I have whomever, right? Principal. If they want the highest rated, I have an A++-rated plus company. If they want a combination of all, it's whoever is, is working best for you at that time. So find out what it is they want. What they want, it works every time. Find out what it is that they want. Okay. Point number two, summarize their health profile and the factors that the carrier is considering. So here's how it works. Okay. Jeff, based on everything you told me, what I'm doing while the system is looking for the best company with the best rates here, I'm trying to find the company that's going to be best for you for the blood pressure and for the fact that your, your father passed away before the age of 60. Companies take that into effect, and I want to make sure I match it with the right company. Does that make sense? And the guy's going to say, yes, it does. So I just told him what, I, what I'm doing. I'm literally talking out loud, thinking out loud and expressing it to him. Summarize their health profile. You say, great, you're in awesome shape. I'm going to find you the best rate in the country. Number three, that's critical. Number three, you want to reiterate the desired coverage amount, the term, and the beneficiary. Okay, Jeff here. So we're looking for 500000 coverage. That's for your wife, Sheila. She's going to receive the check when, some, God forbid, something happens to you. Uh, it's for 15 years of protection. That means the rate won't change and the price won't change for the next 15 years. And we're going to get this policy for you as quickly as we can. Just need to make sure I find the right company. 
Okay. So I, I preface everything. I've created this whole picture for this guy. Hopefully he's been writing it all down. Okay. So now I say, okay, if you have that pen handy, here's the best rate for you. I'm almost making them on weight on pins and needles. I did, if you notice, I can just blow it out the price. I took time to convey what it is that they want, why we're going with this, and now I explain the name of the carrier and the background before I give the price. I give the name of the carrier and the background. So the company, Jeff, is offering the best value for you is Transamerica. I'm sure you've heard of them. I already mentioned them earlier, right? So that, that's in parentheses. So Transamerica, as you know, they're an A-plus rated company. They're the big pyramid building in San Francisco. They never failed to pay a, a debt claim in the history of their company. They've been around for over 100 years. They're 500 billion assets. They're one of the greatest companies out there. Whatever your spiel is about that company, know that. you got to present it with conviction. So now he's written down Transamerica, Prudential, MetLife, whatever company it is that you're working with. He's on bated breath wanting to know what the price is. Here you need to get both the monthly and the annual rates. Almost everybody does their bills in monthly monthly prices. It makes it a twelfth the size as well. Instead of being a thousand dollars, it's eighty-three dollars a month. Give both monthly and annual prices. And point number seven, the most critical moment. I can't teach this in five minutes. This is over and over, repetition, listening to the call, channeling it, understanding who your consumer is. Critical moment. Do you give A or B choice? Do you use the undersell method? Do you work the power pod? Do you go for total silence? Do you tell them what to buy? Do you ask them if they're ready? Do you use the assume consent coach? There's so many different tactics here that are effective. You have to know your customer to know which one to deploy. For me, I use two or three of them. I use the power pod. So I say the best rate for you is Transamerica. It's $83.13 a month. Or if you pay it annually, you can get a 4% discount, and it comes out to $1,003. And I would simply wait and not say a word. One time I literally waited for, I think, like 40 seconds. <laughs> this really analytical guy. That's a long time on the phone to, to pause. Guess what? After 40 seconds, he came back and he said, all right, that sounds good. What do we need to do? So the power pause. First person that speaks loses. That's one approach. The other one that I, I like and I use a lot is the AB approach. Okay, so Jeff, based on everything you told me, I said I teed that all up. You have that pan handy. Here's the two companies that are that are pretty close together. And now I would choose the lowest rate available, and then I would choose a name brand company that's quite a bit more. So back in my day, it might be Midland Mutual Life, for example. It'd be like, okay, based on everything you told me, Midland is coming in with the very lowest rate available in the entire country. Midland Mutual Life, they're an A-plus rated company. I give the background, blah, blah, blah. Their rate for 500000 is this and this annually. The other choice is with a company you've heard of called Travelers Life Insurance. A little bit of a company, blah, blah, blah. Their rate for the exact same coverage, exact same length of coverage is at $113 a month or $1,300 annually. It's totally up to you which one you want to buy. And then sometimes I would use a pause there. Other times I would say, you know what? Jeff, for, for my money, and really to try to, to help you the most here, I buy the Midland. They're the exact same rating, the exact same policy. There's nothing different in the policy. It's exactly the same, and yet you're saving $30 a month. Why spend more money than you need to? If money is no object, then buy the travelers. You, you, know, you know that company, whatever. It's entirely up to you. But I, I'm using a sin consent there. I am absolutely implying and inferring that you're going to buy one of them. Yep. You get that? This is the dance. 
You got to listen up front. Do you do the AB approach? Do you do the power five? Or do you tell them what to do? If you have that level of trust and conviction, you can literally tell them, okay, based on everything you told me, the company, I'd go with this banner. They're an A-plus company. They're this. They offer the best value for your situation. They're the lowest price, the lowest, the fastest. And literally tell them what it is to buy. You have to know which direction you're going to go. This is the one part, in essence, that's kind of unscripted, that doesn't follow a traditional flow. It only works if you've been listening the whole time and know who your customer is to figure out which dance element you're going to use here. It's a critical moment. That has to take practice. And listen to tons of calls, profile them, and see which one do you employ at that time. Okay? So you have to allow for the customer to respond and manifest their her affirmation. So if once you present the rate, you need them to say, that sounds good, or what do we need to do, or let's go with that. You need a confirmation for them to make the sale themselves. You don't want to have them feel like they were sold. You want them to feel like they bought it. Huge difference. Huge difference. And you need them to say, that sounds good. You're working towards that the entire time. Listen, if you're getting a pattern of objections here, you have to go back and you have to go remaster habits one and two and even three to make sure that you're clear on about the underwriting, why they're getting the rates that they're getting. If you're getting patterns of objections, I need to think about it, I'm going to talk to my spouse, can you send it to me in writing, I'm still shopping, whatever those are, and there's like 20 of them, right, you have to make sure that you go back and figure out where is that objection coming from and what do I need to refine in my presentation of habits one, two, and three, so when I get to habit four, the dance, the presentation, I don't, I don't get those. I do not believe, and let me reemphasize that, I do not believe in trying to overcome objections. It's too much work. It's exhausting. It's no fun at all. Who wants to fight with your customer? Everybody thinks, oh, I can overcome objections. Why have objections? If you do your job properly, they should say, hey, thanks, I really appreciate it. This sounds great. Let's do it. That's when you've done a really great job, okay? Lastly, the close, all right, they say that sounds good. Here's your line. Something like this. Great. In order to get this policy for Cheryl, it's a simple process. Here's what we need to do. And you lead right into habit six. Habit five, if you haven't figured out, is handling objections. I don't like to spend a ton of time on that because I don't want you to have objections. But habit four is the dance, the presentation. Habit five is the presentation. Habit six is really coming to setting it all up, right? It's securing the sale. Habit seven is the wrap-up and the tie-down and getting confirmation that they are going to complete the process and actually give you referrals. So we'll get into that at another time. But one through four makes the sale, and habit four is the fun one. That's the one that you can literally play and put your own stamp, your own mark on it in the car, you can practice in the mirror, you can do all that. You can almost have habits one, two, and three, a dialogue with yourself, being the customer as well, because you are in control. The expression I use is pace, professionalism, accountability, or authority, control, and expertise. Professionalism, authority, control, expertise. You are in charge. Practice habits one, two, and three over and over. When you get to habit four, you become the master. So I'm going to work on this timeline here. Uh, Jeff, I hope that was a, a value. Clearly, as I indicated, we could spend so much more time in depth and going through each one of the habits. We have habits five, six, and seven still to cover. 
in closing, I want to let everybody know that uh, I love what we do. I love our industry. It is absolutely possible to transform your business model. Uh, there are tools and systems out there. It's not about that. I did most of my sales using a piece of paper and a pen. There was no internet. We didn't. Even, we were using DOS back then. Okay, you can sell over the phone literally by talking to people. You can use a recorder, a pen, and paper. If you have a platform, all the better. I can help you build that. It's all about the presentation. It's remarkable to me the delta between the top agents and the bottom agents at every agency. So I want to make The next person is barely scraping by at thirty thousand dollars. One person can sell thirty-two apps in a day, like me. The girl sitting next to me sold three the exact same day, the exact same leads. It's all in your presentation. So hone that, master it, really become the guru of the seven habits. So again, I'm here for you. I'm available to help build and enhance your model, expand your, your distribution, increase your margins, and grow your business. You can create new heights with this, with this technology available and with the tools that I provide. Uh, Jeff, if I may, I'd like to give them maybe my contact information. They can reach. Yeah, them. yeah. Have them give your give them your contact information. Ask and and also let let our listeners know exactly you know who you're working with as well. If you're working with individual agencies, BGAs, uh, individual agents, and what you deal with them. Sure. So, everybody, first let me give you my contact information. It is Todd Ewing, my name, T O D D E W I N G one two three. Todd Ewing, 123 at gmail.com. Again, Todd Ewing, 123 at gmail.com. Feel free to shoot me over a quick note. I do offer a, a complimentary consulting session with everybody. Fairly quick to determine and define what it is that you're looking to accomplish, uh, the model that you're working on, how we can enhance, how we can help you build it. Uh, I, I have my own consultant. The top direct marketers across the platform, LifeQuote, eFinancial, Matrix, Quick Life Center, MQuote, uh, you name it, I've worked with them. Uh, and I've also worked with top DGAs and IMOs, uh, from Partners to Finch to Brokers Alliance to Summit Alliance. Uh, I've, I've worked with almost all of them. They utilize me to help them build out their systems and tools and to effectively teach them how to be more successful closing more deals. This is what I do. So feel free to uh, reach out to me. We can set up an opportunity to go deeper into your opportunities and how we can work together to be successful. So I want to thank Jeff for this opportunity. There's a very good chance we'll pick up another session and complete habits five, six, and seven with a quick refresher on all the seven habits. And then I also have another platform called the 31 Flavors that gives literally over 31 unique tips and tools that are different from the seven habits, how to close more sales and be more effective on the phone. So again, thanks again. And I look forward to uh, talking with uh, you all again. Awesome. Appreciate everything you've shared with us, Todd. And and we'll get you back on here pretty soon. Hopefully we'll finish. We'll wrap this thing up. And uh, everybody, if if you need some help, if you're stuck, you know, Todd's there. He's uh, very accessible. I'll have all the links to his email address and his website over at the show notes at selltermlife.com. Appreciate you, Todd. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Jeff, and we'll talk again. To join the conversation and learn how to use modern techniques to sell more life insurance, work more efficiently, and on your own terms, head over to selltermlife.com and join our email list. We'll see you next time on another value-packed episode of the Modern Life Insurance Selling Podcast. Mm -hmm.